I want to ask you, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard the tithing messages, the giving messages, and I want you to just kind of erase all that right now. Because everybody comes with their own ideas of what is tithing, how you tithe, how you give, what to give. And I want you, for the next just 20 minutes while I share this message, erase all that. Give me a, a blank slate. Give God a blank slate that says, God, speak to my heart today what you want to say. Today's message, like I said, is titled First Fruits, giving God your best or what's left. The scripture that they were um, alluding to in the opening video is in Genesis 4, and I want us to read that together. Turn over to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to read this to you out of the New International Version. Beginning with verse 2. And if you don't know who Cain and Abel are, they are the two sons of Adam and Eve, the first two sons of Adam and Eve. So they're out there in the world. Remember, they've been, uh, let's just say, they moved away from the garden. And... Uh, they were relocated, and they began a family. And Cain and Abel now are brothers, basically grown men, and one is a keeper of flocks, and one works the soil. And so in verse 2, we pick up the story of Cain and Abel. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. There's a profound principle that we each need to learn when we become Christians, and it's called the first fruits. Let's just tear, not tear apart, but let's look into the scripture we just read. And the opening video talked about it too. It said, in the course of time, Cain brought some. In the course of time, Cain brought some. But Abel, it says, brought his first fruits of his flock. Now, when Cain brought an offering, he was already well into receiving the fruits, eating the fruits. He was having fun with his fruits, eating the grapes, whatever, fun with the fruits. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, I forgot God. So let's just pick up, yeah, this looks good. This is, that's good enough. Okay, now I'm going to take him to God. But Abel brought the first of his flock. 
And then the Bible says that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Let me just say, it wasn't just on his offering that God looked favorably. He looks at the offering and he looks at the individual. He looked with favor on Abel and his offering. And then God's response here, he asked Cain, why are you angry? As if God could be shocked. He's trying to get Cain to realize, why are you angry? Don't you know if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do what's right, what's going to happen? You can't accept that. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? It's, that's a principle. That's a principle. It's called the principle of the first fruits. The principle of the first fruits is throughout the Old and New Testament. All that comes into your possession, your best, your first. Let's just look at some scriptures together. Leviticus 27.30 says one-tenth, which the word, if you don't know, the word tithe just means a tenth. That's it. I, I sometimes think it's kind of humorous when I hear people saying, well, I'm giving some of my tithe. Well, do you realize the word tithe means tenth? So you're giving some of your tenth? I don't know about you, but when, when I think about the tithe and the tenth of my income and giving part of my tenth, if we're supposed to honor God above our government, above the president, above Uncle Sam, right? Yes, everybody agrees to that. How about you tell Uncle Sam, I'm just going to give you part of your percentage and what's going to happen. But that's, anyway, the Leviticus 27.30, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and it must be set apart to him as holy. In Exodus 13, it says in verses 1 and 2, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whoever, whatever, opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. God's saying those first fruits is mine. That is my portion. That is mine. It belongs to the Lord. The tithe is not yours. If you don't grasp anything else I say today, understand the tithe, the first tenth, is not yours. We are stewards of all that we have, stewards of all that we have. And God specifically says that that tenth, that first 10%, is mine. If we look at Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 10, Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Verse 13 says, No one 
can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, or some versions say, you cannot be loyal to both God and money. Verse 12 says, if you aren't faithful with someone else's possession, in your income, whose possession are you holding on to? There's your portion and there's God's portion. God says, mine is the first of it. The first 10% of that, that's mine. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. And if we aren't even trustworthy with someone else's, with God's portion, why would he give you more? I hear over and over again, people who tithe and are faithful tithers always say they're blessed. Sure, they might have financial ups and downs, but they still consider themselves blessed. But those who don't faithfully tithe, I hear over and over again, they say, oh, but Brenda, I don't have the money to tithe. If I had more money, I would tithe. The principle is if you don't give the first, you won't have any more. If you're not faithful in little, God's not going to give you more. If you can't be trusted to give back to God what is his, why would he continue to give you more? He uses the word trustworthy. If you can't be trustworthy with what I've given you, why would I give you more? Matthew 25, 29 says, To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have, that will be taken away as well. Allow me to read to you from Proverbs chapter 3 in the message version. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and wherever you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own and give him the first and the best. Then your barns will burst forth and your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friends, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. Kind of sounds like Cain right there, doesn't it? It's the child he loves that God corrects and a father's delight is behind all of this. When you give to God your first, your best, you are blessed. But he says, if you don't do what's right, why are you angry? Cain, why, why do you look so upset? Didn't you know that if you don't do what's right, there will be correction, a loving correction. According to Malachi chapter 3, and we've all heard this scripture, but I am going to read it to you again because remember you gave me that blank slate. You haven't ever heard anything before. 
We're looking at everything fresh and anew. But regarding our tithing, you have two choices. You can either bring it or you steal it. You bring it or you steal it. Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I want my finances to be blessed, a delightful place. I want my house to be overflowing with blessings. I want God to prevent the pests from devouring my crops. As a matter of fact, uh, the New King James Version reads verse 11 to say, God's saying, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Let me ask you, do you want 90% blessed? or 100% under a curse. You choose. God says you choose. You either bring it or you rob it. You steal it. Let's just look at a few common misconceptions about tithing. Number one, God does not need your money. God does not need your money. When he talks about money, it's always because our heart is attached to wherever our finances are. As a matter of fact, it says that in Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So for God to get your heart, he's got to talk about your finances. We can't serve. We can't be loyal to both God and money. See how important that is? You're either loyal to one or you're loyal to the other. But our heart is not capable of loving or being loyal to both of them. It's either we trust God or we trust money, period. It's one or the other. But God does not need your money. He wants your heart. The second misconception is give to God so you can get from God. I've heard that over and over, years and years and years. Do you know that that's why God said, test me in this? So you're giving to get. You're giving to get. You're giving to get. 
Well, if that's true, then what we're producing in our heart is a greedy, greedy heart. I'm giving a little because I want to get a lot. That's just greed at the core. Giving to get is not what God is trying to teach us. If we only give to get, we are producing a greedy heart and not a generous heart. To have a generous heart, you give without thought of return. When God's talking about his 10%, the first fruits, you're not, it's not yours to begin with. So you shouldn't expect anything in return. You're just simply returning to God what's already his. Giving to get works greed out, works selfishness out of our heart. If you're wondering if you're giving to get, ask yourself this question. When you are tithing and something goes wrong in your finances, is God and the tithe you gave the first thing to be questioned? If you start tithing and something goes wrong in your finances, immediately, what's the first thought that comes into your mind? I knew I shouldn't have given that tithe. Man, that bill just came up. That tire just went flat. Blah, 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 blah. Something goes wrong. If the first thing you question is God or the tithe you gave, you are giving to get. Are you loyal to God or are you loyal to money? You can't love. You can't be loyal to both. The third misconception is paying your tithes. I've heard people say that over and over again. I'm paying my tithes. I'm paying my tithes. They say it with the same thought like they would pay their bills, pay consumers, pay their mortgage company. I'm paying my tithes. Giving sounds like you own it. You can't give what you don't own. God said, bring your tithe. Bring to me what belongs to me. When you talk about paying your tithes or even giving your tithes, those words don't go together, which leads into the, the next one. Give to God. Sorry. Sorry, I cut that one out. Paying your tithes. When you give, it's out of something you own. When you pay, it's out of something you own. God was very specific when he said, bring your tithe. And actually, if you look back into that and you do a word study, it's bring my tithe. Bring what belongs to me. When you do that first, you'll be blessed. When you bring that 10% back to me, and think about that. If you just sat down and started thinking about all you have, all that God's given you, and even if it's little, God's made you a steward of all that. Everything you have, the very breath in your lungs you can't produce, he established, he created, he breathed into you. So everything you have is God's, and God's just asking you, bring me that first percent. That's mine. That first 10%, that's mine. That's my tithe of all that I've given you. Bring. 
The last misconception I want to talk about, and this one's a hard one, and I kept wiping it out, and I wasn't going to talk about it, and I wasn't going to talk about it, is to bring, give God from your net income, not your gross. I've heard that one over and over again. Well, I just pay God from the net, the gross, well, because I don't even see that. Yes, that's true. If you're given a paycheck, and your paycheck comes to you, and it says $300. But when it was first written, the gross was $400. What happened to that other 100 before it came to you? Went to Uncle Sam, right? So let me ask you this, because this was years, years and years and years. We always just paid our tithes on what came into our hand. That's simple. That was easy. I understood that. And when I started putting this message together, I don't know even how many years ago it was, we started tithing off our gross, and I don't even know why. I couldn't really, except for Brian's little, he always likes saying, do we want to be blessed a lot or blessed a little? Do you want to be grossly blessed, or do you just want a net of blessing, you know? So we just kind of morphed into paying off our gross. And I really didn't have a principle to stand on, so when God was telling me to talk about this, talk, I'm like, I don't even know how to communicate it. You know, because I lived for so many years with just whatever came into my hand is what I gave a tenth of. And God, as I was getting ready, putting this message together, God gave me a simple illustration. If you were living back in the pioneer days, the Bible days, when all commodities um, were fruits and vegetables or, or flock or, you know, what we saw in the opening video there. Say you're a worker of the land, and all of a sudden here your harvest is coming in, so you're raking, raking in all your harvest, and you know you're a good Christian, you know the first tenth belongs to God, so you're taking the first, the best, and you're putting it in a basket, because what does the Bible say? You're going to bring it to the storehouse. You're taking it to the temple. You're taking it to the church. So you're putting it in the basket. You're getting it all ready. You're out in the field, and you got the basket all prepared. There's the 10%. There's the 10th of all your first fruits, your best fruit. And here comes Uncle Sam walking up to you. And he goes, excuse me, I see your harvest has come in. Uh, I need my 6%. Would you take out of that basket that you've just prepared for God, that first fruit, that 10%, and give to Uncle Sam, six, no, you wouldn't. But just because in our modern day, Uncle Sam has worked his way into getting your money even before you get it, doesn't mean he deserves first place. God said, bring me my first, the first, the best, the 10%. So if we have to, if you are given a paycheck and it's a net paycheck and Uncle Sam's already taken his portion, we have to take an extra step and go back around, go back around Uncle Sam because Uncle Sam does not deserve first place. God does. And we have to go back to our first our harvest, our full harvest, and give to God. What already, sorry, bring to God what already belongs to him. Not Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam should not have first place. So the misconception, 
give to God from your net and not your gross, it just seems, seems simple now to me. That for so many years, we lived with Uncle Sam having first place. And so, again, you have a blank slate and you're thinking... Robert Morris, if you ever want to really hear some good messages on tithing, on generosity, on giving, Robert Morris, pastor of um, Gateway Church, is an amazing speaker. And that man is living a blessed life. He's given away houses. He's given away cars, multiple cars. They, I mean, him and his wife, from way back when, when God really started birthing in him a heart, a generous heart, and how important the tithe is to the rest of your life and making God number one, it's got to come first because that's where our heart is attached, that he's got to be in first place there, and then everything else will be taken care of. That man's living the generous life, not because in their wealth, and I, I have no idea, you know, his finances or anything, but he's, he's very open with what God has taken him through in the different tests and, and how he's um, been called to the carpet many, many, many times. Robert Morris. Robert Morris said, if you can't handle your money, you can't handle your destiny. This has got to be number one. And I hate talking about money. That's why I'm so glad we took up the offering ahead of time. So you wouldn't think I'm trying to grease the wheel and get a better offering. That's not it. But so many times, and especially in these last days, our heart is going to grow cold. The Bible warns us that that's going to happen unless we keep it in the right place, which God's got to be first, not money. It takes faith to give the first, not what's left over. Abel was looked upon with favor his offering was accepted because it took faith to give the first. There's no faith in giving what's left. The faith comes from the first. I don't know if I'm going to have enough to pay my bills. I don't know if I'm going to have enough to make it through the week. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But number one, God, I trust you. I'm bringing back to you what is yours, and I can trust my heart is loyal to you and not to the man, not to the money. It's not the amount that enacts the blessing. It's the faith in the first that does. It's not the amount. It's the faith that says, I trust you, God. Here it is. I'm bringing back to you. That's what enacts the blessing. Because really... What if Cain brought this humongous, what if he said, you know what, I forgot God, I'm just, go ahead, I'm going to gather up a whole bunch, great big offering, and still God said, it's not right. That's not right. It's not the amount that enacts the blessing. It's the faith in giving the first that does. So let me ask you, do you trust God or not? Are you loyal to God or are you loyal to money? It says you can't serve both. You can't be loyal to both. He holds us to the same question when he said, will you be trustworthy with 
what is mine or not? Will you be trustworthy with what is not even yours or not? I like that the video even pointed this out, that God gave his first. Jesus was his first fruits to us. That he gave, not knowing how we were going to respond. As a matter of fact, in uh, Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he gave us first, he gave us best, he gave us Christ to die in our place. God so loved the world that he gave his one, his only son, his first fruits. God put his trust in us by giving his first, his best, while we were still sinners. Let me pray. God, this is such a simple message, and yet it's so profound in the principle that our whole life, our whole purpose can be summed up in this one thing. God, this is where our our chaos in our life can be set in order. This is where our purpose can be set back on track again. God, because you don't curse us, but God, we choose to go under a curse when we don't follow this principle. God, help us to remember that we cannot, we cannot trust, we cannot be loyal to, we cannot love both you, God, and money. The world will scream at us, you need more, you need more, you need more. And you're just asking us, be trustworthy with what I've given you. And bring to me what belongs to me. And I will bless the rest. Help us hear that. Help us hear your voice. Help us learn this principle. God, we cry out to you that we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and yet we walk out of this place and we give permanence, we give priority to other things. God, I just ask right now that you help us to not only say what we believe, but live what we believe. We love you, God. We serve you, God. We trust you, God. Help us to be examples of that in our everyday life. We can trust you. We can trust you, God. And help us, Holy Spirit, help us be trustworthy in all the resources that God has given us. But especially in that tithe in that first fruits, in that first, that best, to bring that back to you, God. That's it. That's it. Help us follow that principle. And our whole life will be like scooped up and set on track again with you. We don't have to worry. We don't have to constantly be fretting and 
and worrying and trying to figure things out as we read in Proverbs. God, we can simply trust you. We're getting ready to go into a time of worship right now. And as Robert sings these next few songs, I want you to find a place to just get alone with God. Let his word just continue to speak to you. Ponder this message in a way that it's not just another message that you hear, but it gets applied to your life, that you'll be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Let God speak to you. You know he's constantly wanting to speak to you. Sometimes we just need to make room and make a quiet time to hear. So let's do that over these next couple songs as as Robert leads us in that, and then I'm going to come back up and close.